strongly today. <clears throat> uh, turn with me to Hebrews, the second chapter, if you would. Let's stand as we honor God's Word by standing. I'm going to go ahead and start with the first verse. It's hard to just jump in the middle here and read this book. You know, really one of the best ways to do it, but I'm not, I can't do that every Wednesday night is just start at the beginning of the book and just read up to where you are because it's, it's, it's so connected. Uh, this, this book is actually just one whole uh, thought as far as this book is concerned. And uh, But anyway, in the second chapter, he says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard and that's that that's important. Well, a lot of people don't hear anymore. Some people can't hear, but some people deliberately don't hear. But uh need to take heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the world spoken by if, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and it was, because it was thus saith the Lord. And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. In other words, those that disobeyed um, the word of the Lord. And um, the, thus saith the Lord. <clears throat> well, how should we escape if we neglect so great salvation as the Lord has given us? We're, we're blessed because until Christ came and, and died... These Jews could not say they had salvation. Though, though they could believe that he was going to come and, and, and he was going to die, but we, we have a better thing now that we can, we can say that we, we have salvation because the Lord did come and the Lord did die for us, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles, with divers miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. For for one in a certain place, speaking of David, testifies, saying, "What is man? <clears throat> that is, what is man? What value is man? That thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou visit him? <clears throat> thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor." And did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but, we talked about this last week, but we see Jesus. That's all you need to see. You don't you don't need to don't need to rack your brain trying to understand all things. 
But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the time we have here together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It just, it, uh, as I grow older and, and the more I study, the more I see that there's a lot that I wished I had just been able to study when I was younger and, and see these things that you see now. But Lord, this is, um, it's wonderful that we can study your word, that we can abide by your word, and we can follow your word because, you know, you, you said in one place that your, your, your commandments weren't hard. They were actually easy. But it seemed like they're so hard for some people to stay in line and follow them and, 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 and obey them. But Lord, uh, I just pray that you'll see fit to help us, each and every one of us, Lord. We, all of us have our weaknesses. But we're thankful to God that you're strong. You have everything. You know everything. And there's nothing that you don't know about us, about, about anybody, Lord. And you've even, you've even stated that those things that are done in secret, you'll manifest them, bring them, bring them to the light. We know that, Lord. We've seen it. We know it. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for everything. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> Last week we talked about the statement that was made in verse 8. says, but now we see not yet all things put under him. And then verse 9, it says, but, referring to the same thing he just said, but we see Jesus, which is one of the greatest things that can happen to a person. If you're here and lost, one of the greatest things that can happen to you is not that you get to go to Disney World or you get to go here or there, but the greatest thing that can happen to you is the Lord saved you. Greatest day in your life. If you're truly saved, out of you, you'll never, you'll never call another day the greatest day in your life if you're saved. Because the greatest day in your life will be when the Lord saves you. And uh, it'll always be the greatest day in your life. I know we enjoy doing a lot of things. And uh, believe it or not, I even enjoy doing some things. But um, it'll always be, if I live to be 100 years old and the, and the Lord lets me keep my mind, the greatest day in my life is the day that I saw Jesus. And through faith and salvation. The day that I understood what it meant to be saved. 
you know, I, I, I was baptized when I was 10 years old, but I didn't know what it meant to be saved. There's a lot of people like that, a lot of people in the world, not only children, but, but there's a lot of grown-ups in the world that they go on the fact that they've been baptized and they're a member of a church somewhere and, or they're a member of, of a religious organization or something like that, and, and they'll take that as being salvation. But it's not salvation. You know, we see Jesus. Jesus is the one that we, that reveals everything that we need to know to us. He, he reveals everything that we need to see and understand. He reveals it to us through the Holy Spirit. And so thereby, as a result of that, you know, we see everything that the Lord would want us to see and he wants us to understand. There's some things... The Lord does not want us to understand. And, and, and I tell you, I told you folks two Sundays ago that I preached concerning Satan, and Satan is raising his head. I'm telling you, here tonight, today, he's raising his ugly head. And I knew he was going to do it. I knew it was going to happen. And, uh, and he has raised his ugly head. And... Uh, you might say, well, what is it? I'm not going to, uh, that's, that's for me to know. And, but he, he raises his ugly head. But thank God we see Jesus. Thank God that we can preach just as hard as we preached against Satan. We can preach for the Lord of glory. We can preach for him. We can recommend him highly as a, as a say, as this, Savior of, of our souls. And, and what, a, what a great blessing that is. But we see Jesus. We talked about that last week. We, we see Jesus. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Yeah, you know, well, you know, does that mean the angels are greater than him? Well, Paul explains that here. They're no, they're not. He said there's no angel out there that God ever put everything under their feet. Not one angel out there had that power and that authority that Jesus had. Even though he was made a little lower than the angels, why was he made a little lower than the angels? Because for the suffering of death, he, you know, angels couldn't die for anybody. Just like none of us can die for anyone and, and, and see them saved. Because as, as I brought out to you, I don't know, two or three sermons back, I brought out to you that God looked all over the whole whole earth to see if he could find one man that could that could do what Jesus did and he couldn't find one. You know, we we might say, well, we'll die for somebody. You know, we might die trying to help somebody. But there's no way you can die for another. You can't do it because everyone as I, as the old song says, you know, you gotta walk that lonesome valley all by yourself. You don't, you don't have, you don't have anyone to walk it with you. You can have, you can have a thousand earthly family members around you, gathered around you, but you still gotta walk that lonesome valley by yourself. And 
Always remember that. No one can walk that for you but Jesus. Jesus walked that for us, that we don't have to walk it. That's why it is. It doesn't make any difference if you're alone or if you're with a thousand people when you die. You know, if you're saved, you're not going to be alone. He's going to be right there with you. And I, and and I, you know, there's a lot you don't understand until the time comes. You know, I've I've preached for years over the fact that, you know, that God gives us grace when we need it. And I, I didn't I didn't know I really hadn't experienced that until I passed out that time and they put me in ICU. And I realized then how much grace God gives. You know, I guess some people would have been scared to death. But I wasn't. And and that was uh that's when God gives us grace. I I, I wouldn't have told you a week or two before that happened that I wouldn't have been. But I'm telling you, now that I've experienced it, it's there. The grace of God is there. And it's it's a wonderful thing. He not only lower than the angels because he suffered death, but he was also crowned with glory and honor, which the angels are not. They're not, they're not crowned with glory and honor. I'm not crowned with glory and honor. You're not crowned with glory and honor. You'll never be crowned with glory and honor. You, you might receive the crown of righteousness when you get to, when you leave this world, but that, that's a crown that Jesus earned for you because Jesus was righteousness and he earned that crown for you because he saved your soul. And, and what a great blessing. But he was crowned with glory and honor. And um, also, by, by the grace of God, he tasted death for every man. Now, there's the King James and all the Bibles. Uh, there comes a problem there because, you know, if, if you believe in the doctrines of grace, you believe that Jesus didn't die for everybody. But you've got to sit down and figure out what does that mean. And simply what it means is, we ended our message last week, simply what it means is that Jesus died. Many, many is, I explained this last week, many is an indefinite number. But the elect is a definite number. And that's the definite number of the indefinite number. Many. And so that's used two or three times in the scriptures. Uh, where he says that he uh, that he uh, um, that he died for many, um, or died for every man. He died for everyone that is was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now we want to talk about this week in verse ten, where he says, "For it became him." For whom are all things? You know, to understand this statement, we must know that he's not speaking of Christ here. He's speaking of God the Father here. God, God the Father is the one that, that gave him power over all things. 
He became all things because God gave him that power to become all things. But he said it's, it's, it's not speaking of Christ, but of the Father for whom are all things. Or you could say from whom are all things. You know, God, God has power over all things. And he gave it to his son because he came to the earth and he died for his children that were given him before the foundation of the world. And as a result of that, uh, as a result of that, then it's, uh, it's from whom are all things, all, all good things. As a matter of fact, James says that in the first chapter of James. All good and perfect gifts comes from above. All of them do. You don't, you don't get anything in this world without it coming from above. I'm talking about in salvation, in religion, in, 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 in grace, in understanding, whatever, whatever you talk about, it has to come from above. You, you can sit there, you can be the most intelligent person in the world and be the most ignorant when it comes to understanding the things of the Lord. And I, I know I've seen that too. It was God, the Father, who came to earth as the incarnate Christ, delivered his only begotten Son to die for the sins of the elect. It was God who came. You have to understand that when uh, uh, Paul now is getting into the fact that Jesus was God. And, and it was God who came to the earth through the incarnate Son. He came to the earth and he died. Now, the, now that God didn't die, some men, I've heard some men say, because God can't die, he's spirit. Spirits don't die. Spirits, spirits don't live, they don't die. They're spirits. And God is a spirit. But Jesus was the man, God, who came to the earth and he died for his elect children and um, and that that's one of the all things that the Lord sent to the earth when he sent Christ. God the Father is a cause of all things. That is in nature. He's a cause of all things. That I got in discussion last night. Uh, a preacher from Kentucky called me, had to tell me something that, you know, that I didn't really didn't want to hear, but he told it. Um, but anyway, um, he he he. We we were talking last night, and and um, we were talking about how God has control, even of nature. God can calm the sea. He can make it rain. He can withhold the rain as he did in the Old Testament. He can, you know, we, somebody was, I think Becky was telling me the other day, we need some rain. Well, I told her, I said, we'll get rain when the Lord sends it to us. We can't get it no other way. You know, we, we, uh, uh, we have to wait on the Lord, and whatever he has in store for us, we will get it. So he's the cause of all things. 
in nature, in grace, in all things which were made for, for God the Father's pleasure and glory. He is, uh, 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 he, he is uh, over all of those. He, the things that were made, you know, we were saved for his pleasure. Whatever God does, he does it for his own pleasure. You'll say, well, no, he did it. My, no, he does it for his own pleasure. There's a, there's, there's something that people say that is certainly not right. People will say that God saved us for our own good. No, he didn't. He saved them for his own good. Now, think about that for just a moment. God saved them for his own good. And, and, and it, it, it's his glory and his honor that he saves. And, uh, and, and that's certainly, and it's his pleasure. Um, how, how do you, how do you understand Isaiah 53? Uh, as I said, I was talking to Doug Newell last night, and Doug Newell is going to be preaching in a Bible conference this coming weekend. And he said that they had assigned him a subject on uh, on uh, the wisdom of God on, at Calvary. And uh, I asked him, I said, are you going to use Isaiah 53 as a text? He said, you know, he said, I'm glad I called you. Because he said, I hadn't even thought about Isaiah 53. Because Isaiah 53 is a, is a wonderful text when you talk about wisdom of God at Calvary. But it's in Isaiah 53 also that the Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. God took great pleasure in sending his son. Now, try, try to figure that one out. There, there's not a person that, that would take pleasure in, in giving one of their children over to be killed. I, I don't know of a person would take pleasure. If you did, you, you're sick. That's like Semos, uh, uh, the goddess of fire in Old Testament. Did you know that they would take uh, out of a family, they would take a virgin girl, a girl, of course, out of a family, and they would cast her in the fire every year that that was their sacrifice to the fire goddess but can you imagine that parents that were chosen to give up their little daughter to be thrown in the fire they threw them in the fire alive and can you imagine that no parent would want to do that but God said it pleased the Lord to bruise him you know, you try to figure that one out. In other words, it was God's pleasure to bruise him. Well, everything God does is according to his own pleasure and his own will and, and his own glory. You know, he, he took pleasure in saving this wretched one right here. Standing before you to, to die tonight, he took pleasure. I don't understand that, you know. You know, I, I didn't get what I really deserved. 
I didn't get what I really deserved. None of us did. We, we, we didn't get what we really deserved, but it took pleasure for God to send his only begotten son to die for me. God got pleasure out of that. He got, he got uh, honor out of that. He got glory out of that. To do that. When his own son was hanging there on the tree and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, God turned his back upon his own son. No, no parent would do that. Though some parents seem like they're glad to get rid of them. But no parent would want to do that. No parent would take pleasure in sacrificing their son for somebody that's unworthy and such a rich as we are. But he did. For it became him from whom are all things. He is the efficient cause of all things. You know, he, he uses all things as he sees fit to use them. He's efficient in it. In other words, you know, if you'll follow God's plan for your finances, you'll have money. I promise you, you will. But, you know, the problem we have is we think we know more about our finances than God does. You know, if you'll just follow God in your finances, you, 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 you that's getting married and you that just got married and and those two that are out there on honeymoon right now. You know, we, we have to learn that if you do it God's way, you'll have things. You'll have money. But if you try to do it your own way, you're not going to have it. That's like Doug Newell called me for one thing last night. He told me two things, but he called me for one thing. And that is, he wanted to know what did I mean by an empty chair. He listened to my message last Sunday morning. He said, what did you mean? He said, you talked about an empty chair. He said, what are you talking about? And I had to explain our empty chair to him. He said, in other words, you were telling them to put the witnessing for their church up on that empty chair and pray about it. I said, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. He said, well... I didn't know what you were talking about. I said, you have to know about our circle of prayer and you have to know about our empty chair. So I explained it to him. <clears throat> it says he, he, well, it didn't say it, but I said, he is the efficient cause of all things and by whom are all things. Now, I'm, I'm talking about chapter, verse 10. And by whom are all things, all of creation, all providence, all grace. All grace is the way in bringing many sons to glory. He's over the grace for God, for by grace are we saved through faith. He's over the grace he's referring to there. He's over the faith that we receive. <coughs> If he doesn't send the grace and he doesn't uh, uh, send the uh, 
uh, he doesn't send the grace and, and he doesn't send the mercy, then, you know, we're not going to be saved. Doug Newell was sitting out on his back porch. Yeah, some of you hunters were like this. Doug Newell was sitting out on his back porch talking to me. He said, look what a deer. And he had his gun with him. And he said, boy, there's a beautiful buck going right, right, down, right down below my house. And I said, well, he said, I've got my gun. I said, you going to shoot him? He said, no, I'm going to have mercy on him. He said, that's what it, he said, that's what it means when God says he has mercy on us. He said, I'm going to have mercy on that deer. He said, I'm going to let him go. So, uh, you know, that's, um, in, in, uh, you bring many sons to glory. Again, this is that word, that definite number, is all the elect. Many sons to glory is not speaking of of worldly glory, but of heavenly glory. There's no glory in this world in being saved. None whatsoever. You you know, people act like they're just so thankful that somebody's saved, but they'll go right down through there and they say they're thankful that somebody got honored by the world. I'm just telling you the way it is. You know, you should never, you should never be thankful for honor of the world, but you should always be thankful for the honor of God in saving us. Let me tell you folks, sometimes people put too much honor on the world and they don't put the honor that's due God. There's no glory in this world to being saved. None whatsoever. The world does not care. The world cares nothing about being saved. They don't care anything about salvation. They don't care anything about being saved. They don't care anything about those things. Those things are not even in their discussions. You listen to the news. You listen to Fox News. Did they ever talk about being saved? No. But they talk about the good things that Trump done. But they never they never talk about anybody being saved. You know, they'll they'll talk about they'll say, Well, we're Christians, but they never talk about being saved. Serious. This is serious stuff, folks. I tell you, this book gets it gets worse than what I'm preaching tonight. To be honest with you, it does. It gets worse. You see how much of this page I can get in. The world is undeserving of salvation's glory. This is the reason we need to be careful who we hold up as being saved. Because worldliness is not salvation. One fellow told me one time, he said, uh, do you let your people drink and 
Do you let them curse? You let them party? I said, I don't stop them from doing anything. But I said, the only thing I can hope is that the Lord will stop them. You know, people have an idea that we, as preachers, that we just tell people what they can do and what they can't do. Only in the realms of the uh, of the Bible are the things you can't do, and in the realms of the Bible are the things you can do. It's there. It's in the Scriptures. It's taught there. And I'm going to make this one statement, and then I'm going to pick up next week and finish this out. I'm going to get into something here that's going to be uh, take a while. Let me make this last statement. Hell was prepared for the unsaved, not heaven. Heaven was prepared for the saved. So let you think about where that's going to take us. Karis would know because she does it every day.